Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 37. This is Writing Excuses, being a good panelist and being a great moderator. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So we have with us... We oh, Mark. Just listen to that rich molasses. <laughs> <laughs> we have with us uh, Susan Morris and Mark Tassen from the Gen Con Writers Symposium, and we're recording live in front of an audience of Gen Con Writers Symposium attendees. All right. Um, by the way, attendees, uh, Mark Tassen is the reason you have this program. Give it up. Okay. I am super. I am super grateful that uh, that you have uh, that you have built this awesome thing for us. But let's let's go ahead and do the introductions properly. Uh, Susan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, my name is Susan. Uh, I write I write uh, middle grade fantasy, and I've edited a bunch of Forgotten Realms books. Uh, I designed D and D for kids, and I also wrote a column for Amazon called Writers Don't Cry, which I love because it's totally a lie. And, and the thing, and, and the thing that, uh, that I need to say about you is that when I see that I'm at the Gen Con Writers' Symposium and the moderator is Susan Morris, I relax because I know the panel is going to be moderated well, and, and I'm not just saying that to, to make you blush or anything like that. You're a great moderator, and that's why I wanted you here. Mark. My name is Mark Tasson. I'm a writer and game designer, and I also happen to run the Gen Con Writers' Symposium. And you do a bang-up job for it. Thank you. Um, Our listeners probably aspire at some point to do the sort of thing that you are doing right now, to sit and to to talk to people uh, in large measure because uh, it's a form of self-promotion, but also because it's it's an honor to be be sitting up here. I mean, I I remember sitting on a panel next to Jerry Purnell, and uh, I'll I'll tell that story at the drop of a hat, but not right now. How do you be a good panelist? Well, I think one of the most important things is to remember that when you're on a panel, you aren't on a solo panel. Um, You need to remember that there are a lot of people sitting around you with some great ideas and some great uh, things to share, and that you'll get your time, but you need to allow the other people that you're with to speak, to share their ideas, and to work together to create a great experience for the audience. I think that's, that's a great place to start uh, because when I first started doing panels, um, you know, I, I, would, I would get the little programming schedule and say, oh, look, I'm on a panel this time. I'm so excited. I'm going to make this about me. This is my chance to promo myself. This is a chance to impress the audience and quickly learned that makes a horrible panel. And really my goal now is I'm going to try to make this panel as interesting as possible for the people listening to it. Susan? So be concise, be considerate, 
and be topically relevant. Um, with Concise, it's not only polite to the other panelists and to the audience which wants to cover a broad range of topics, but it's also smart. Sound bites are what people remember. If you ramble on forever, people won't remember a single thing you said. Yeah, if you go to you know, a lot of cons, especially it's, it seems to be the kind of local regional ones, there's always that one guy who will start up and he'll start talking a little slowly and he'll tell a long story. And it just, you're right, it, it's rude and it slows everything down and it takes time away from the topic and the other panelists. And also, the audience did come to hear about a topic. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's really polite to talk about that topic. How, now, the, the, thing that you, the thing that you just did, I, I mean, when you, when you said, uh, you know, be concise, be considerate, uh, and then you were concise, and you ended at a stopping point, and you ended so effectively that there was this pause while Dan realized, oh, she stopped. <laughs> okay? And I'm not, that was, that, it was awesome. How do you do that? Plan ahead. Uh, I research before I talk with someone to find out where the dead space is in a topic. Um, and you, I mean, I actually literally write out ideas of how I could say things because the first time you say it, there'll be so many ums, there'll be so much waste. So talk it out. Think about it ahead of time. Yeah, and you'll feel a lot more comfortable on the panel if you feel like you know what you're going to say next. You're not stumbling over your words. Um, it, you'll have a better experience overall. Don't read it. Oh, yeah, don't read it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was on a panel once where the moderator started by reading us a section of a Wikipedia article, and uh, that, was, that was painful. Um, that was really painful. Mark, what do you look for in a panelist? You're, you put this program together. What, sort, what sorts of things put people on the panels, on your panels, and what keeps them on your panels? Well, first and foremost, I start by looking at people who are really good at what they do. And that might be someone who's an amazing writer, or it might be someone who is an expert in some field and has something that's going to be really valuable to share. Or maybe someone who can just speak about writing really well, even if maybe they haven't published as many books as the next person. But if they can share that information better, they're the person I want on the panel. Um, after that, there are things like uh, you have to be someone who's willing to talk to the audience and personable. Uh, it, there are exceptions. I understand that some people have discomfort when it comes to talking to strangers they don't know. But it's really nice if they can connect with, those, with that audience and be able to talk to them a bit. And that's something I definitely look for. And someone who's nice, right? I mean, we have to hang out with these people for four days. My goodness, I want it to be someone I actually <laughs> want to hang out with. So. Wow. Uh, Susan, as you've, as you've moderated uh, panels uh, here, at, uh, here at Gen Con, I mean, don't, don't drop any names or anything. What are the things that you've seen done really well? And, and how, how can we emulate them? Who, who are the panelists that you love to moderate? Well, not who, but what are the sorts of attributes that you love to moderate? I love people who refer to other panelists, who engage in conversation rather than holding a thought in their head that they're going to say um, fully. So, for instance, uh, if he said something and I responded to it, or if I was saying something, I'm like, oh, my God, this relates to something that you do really well. And then you get a chance to shine. So I like it when it's collaborative. Yeah. I, whenever I'm on a panel, I think about uh, the one scene from Pulp Fiction where she's interviewing John Travolta with the camera and says, when you're in a conversation, do you listen or do you wait to talk? And you can always tell exactly which panelists are listening and which ones are just waiting for their turn to talk. 
Yeah, and the audience can tell too. I mean, I think that's the thing that's important is that it doesn't just impact the people here. It impacts the people watching it. It adds a level of tension to the to the panel and you want people to be relaxed and having a good time and really in a position to take that in so they're not thinking about their anxiety. Yeah, as a panelist, are you able to read the audience and tell when you're, I'm not looking at the audience at all because I don't want to know what they're saying. Um, are you able to read the audience and gauge how you're being received? You should read the audience and you should read your panelists and you should read the moderator because if you're talking too long, the moderator will be like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, for those of you not benefiting from the video feed, um, I'm so sorry. I can't do that. That, that was uh, that She was can brilliant. stare daggers on command. And then you start clicking your pen. No, um, you can get very passive aggressive with it. But generally, read people and like talk to them before the panel. See what they're interested in hearing talked about. You don't want to completely miss the topic that they came to hear. Their eyes will glaze over. They'll start looking at the moderator and being like, you should really interrupt him. <laughs> awesome. And, How did and- it happen? <laughs> I think I may have done it. <laughs> awesome. And we, we are going to talk about moderating next, but first... Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's break for a book of the week. And Susan, you were going to pitch to us a book that you are currently reading and loving. 
Yes, so I'm not sure how concise this will be. <laughs> uh, a Darker Shade of Magic, I'm absolutely loving it. What actually drew me into it is the first page, which is so gorgeously written that I was like, oh my God, I should give up writing and just read this book forever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and in that it, it has this jacket and it has three sides. And that's just something that you never hear about. And I immediately knew that it had an in-depth, interesting magic system, that it was starting with a detail that drew me in. I wanted to know why this person had this jacket and why they needed to switch sides. Um, And yeah, it's incredibly engrossing. It's about three different worlds, versions of London, um, and each with varying levels of magic. And uh, the connections have been severed between them, but are on their way, it seems, to not be the case anymore. Awesome. Okay, that is uh, A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab, who's an incredible writer. And you can get a copy of that. Audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You can start a 30-day free trial membership and grab it for free. Wonderful. All right, so let's talk about moderating for a minute. There, there's no, in my mind, there's no clearer sign that a panel is going to be terrible than when everybody sits down and says, who's moderating? <laughs> You know, like you were talking earlier about, you know, writing some notes down and preparing. You need to prepare as a moderator even more so, I think, than as a panelist. What, in your minds, let's start with Mark, what makes a good moderator? Um, if they are Susan Morris. <laughs> For those of us not blessed to be oh, Susan oh, all Morris, right. well, in that case, what can then- we do? What I'm really looking for is someone, you know, one of the, the things I look to avoid are moderators that believe that they're there to talk to the audience and are simply going to occasionally allow the other people in the panel to remark on their wisdom. Um, That's something you want to be careful about because as a moderator, you are really a servant leader. You're there to lead them, but you're there also to serve them by offering them ways to be more effective and to be successful in the panel. Yeah. And so what, that's something I really look for. One of my philosophies in moderating, and, uh, and, and frankly, it's one of our philosophies in writing excuses, is that uh, uh, the other panelists, my job is to prop them up. My job is to help them shine. Uh, I, I'll never, you know, I don't want to talk down to them. I don't want to score points on them. I want everybody to shine, even if they're disagreeing, and especially if they're disagreeing with me. Because that makes the conversation that much more interesting. Susan, let's get your take on this. What makes a good moderator? Uh, a couple things. Preparation, for sure. I definitely, uh, you want to explore that space. You want to find the dead space ahead of time. You want to talk it out with people. Um, and then also know the people on your panel. Know what is going to make them shine. Uh, don't be afraid to be a jerk. Uh, everyone appreciates it when you um, quiet or transition from the loud person on the panel who isn't being quiet. Uh, and yeah, your job is, um, is to moderate. It's not to be a panelist. And I think that um, the more that you can direct attention to them and make them shine, the better it's going to be. Um, yeah. you, you said something uh, towards, towards the beginning. You know where the dead space is. Yes. I think I understand that principle, but I have no idea how to actually... How, how do, you, how do you identify the dead space in a topic? What, how do you research that? So the first thing I do is I actually look up the topic and I see what everyone else has had to say about it because I know what I think, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not the sole authority on any topic in writing, it turns out. 
Um, <laughs> so I write a whole bunch of notes. Then I actually make about 25 questions that I talk through. And then I have a conversation with someone. I know this is too much. You probably don't need to do this. I talk with someone and I see what co- topics we naturally cover. And, if, and then I ask questions if they don't get covered and it either sparks conversation or they're like, yeah, or no. And it's just a completely dead topic. It's just not interesting. Um, and that really... That enables you before you get to the panel. Like, for instance, on um, the writing the other panel that we just did, if I may give a specific example, uh, I wrote a bunch of questions, and some of them were really dumb. Like, you know, why write the other? Which hopefully we all know. But it's a starting point that's actually discussed on a lot of blogs. Um, And it's a good question for the people who need it asked, but it was a dumb question for that panel because everyone was there to learn how to write the other. And so then before the panel, you will get through four questions, maybe, So before the panel, circle the ones you really like, the ones you think will really be best, talk with the panelists, talk with the audience, find out what they want to hear, and keep it towards that. So if I understand this correctly, the reason you're an awesome moderator is because you rehearse moderating the panel with a group of people who are not actually your panelists. Yes. To, oh my. My writing group. Oh, and, and that, one other. That, that is so brilliant. Like you just. No, seriously. You just upstaged everyone that's been on this stage <laughs> all day. So but one. Can I? I want to offer one thing though that you said. Um, that you said, well, you don't have to, but you kind of do, because when I'm looking for a moderator to moderate some of the most high profile, some of the very best guests we have, I look to someone like Susan. I look to someone who's going to go up there and do right by us and make us as a con look good as well as making everyone else look good. And so that extra preparation means that when I'm sitting there going, well, Terry Brooks is our author guest of honor. I wonder who I should have moderate. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll put Susan there for this one. You know, I mean, these are the sorts of things that I think about, and it makes a big difference what she does. It helps her, too. As somebody who studied uh, marketing on the job, uh, what you're describing is... What you're saying essentially is that the moderator's responsibility is is a marketing and branding responsibility. I am I am boosting the brand of the panelists. I'm boosting the brand of the convention, and a bad moderator can hurt that brand, can can damage the show. Yeah, that's absolutely true, and you know so that's why you're constantly watching and tweaking and seeing what works and what doesn't. And when you find someone who does things well, you use them. You give them whatever it takes to make sure that they keep coming back and working with you on that. And, you know, a lot of these folks are writers, too. And it doesn't hurt to be able to sit down and have a conversation with some of the people you're moderating. It helps your career quite a bit sometimes. So Now, uh, I'm going to exercise some moderation skills really quick. <laughs> uh, the two of you just cut off Susan three times in a row. Susan, were you going to... Looked like you kept trying to talk. And I'm sorry. Well, it's funny because I had two thoughts there. No, it was, it was great because I realized I was talking a lot. Um, <laughs> and the two things I wanted to mention were you don't have to get everything out about a topic. It's okay to not cover something. You won't get everything. Um, and I think so much of our need to talk comes from that. But I didn't talk about this, and it's so important. And write it down, you know. That helps. <laughs> and then... Um, 
the second thing is set expectations at the beginning. If you're professional, if you greet them, if you offer the panelists, like, you know, what style of moderation do they want? You know, it makes it immediately apparent that you're taking it seriously. And if, then if you set ground rules for the audience, if you address them saying, I will be moderating this, tell them the name, tell them what they're getting into, like, it sets a certain level of expectation. And I found that the behavior from everyone seems to be better the more that I set expectations. One of the things that I... Uh that I do when I moderate is I, I tell the audience, um, if you're going to ask questions, you know, make sure to phrase them in the form of a question. I really do not want to have to cut anybody off when you're making a long-winded comment, but I came here to listen to these panelists. I, as the moderator, very selfishly want to hear what these people have to say, so I'm going to cut you off so I can listen to them, and that way I'm the designated jerk. Sweet. I strongly suspect that these, this 15 minutes uh, will become an audio textbook conventions will use for their panelists and moderators as they're setting up their program. I certainly hope so, because we've gotten absolutely brilliant stuff from both of you. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, it's our delight to have you here. Now, uh, I believe Mark is going to give us, send us home with a writing prompt. You've been invited as an author to attend BobCon. All expenses paid. You arrive at Bob's house and realize why it's called BobCon. How do you get out of it? And how does our hero escape? I'm... Well, you are out of excuses. So uh, go right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.